Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Matthew chapter 16. Why don't you go over there with me? Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 16. This is going to be the passage that we look at over the next couple of weeks together. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 24 to 26. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, everyone shout anyone. anyone. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful. We thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you that it's able to go into our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. We need to be better. We want to be better. We don't want to stay the same. We don't want to leave church the same way that we came in. So God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you are saying to us individually and saying to us collectively. Let our spirits be open. Let our minds be open. Let our hearts be open to hear from your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I have three daughters. My middle daughter, Chloe, is here. She's with the baby right now, my grandson. And uh, I love my girls very much. Uh, Greg is the husband of my middle daughter. And uh, he married her because he was strategic. He became my workout partner first for two years. Got under the radar. Didn't see it coming because I had prepared very, very well. I remember having one conversation with one young man that wanted to date my, my daughter, and I said to him, I said, you know, I have a fierce advantage over you, don't you? And he was just a bit of a young punk, and he's like, yeah, what is that? I said, well, how long have you been interested in my daughter? He goes, oh, about three months. I said, yeah, you've been interested for three months. I've been practicing hating you all her life. <laughs> I become very skilled at deflecting the boyfriend. But I remember this one time, my daughter's was at St. Xavier, and this young guy wanted to go out with her and I think take her to a dance or something. And she said, well, I, I won't go out with you unless you talk to my dad. And so he's like, sure, I'll come and talk to your dad. And so he's at the house. I'm at the church, and uh, I know he's at the house. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pumping myself up. I'm trying to think of things that tick me off, you know, people that have upset me all my life, trying to go back to my childhood when I was bullied, just trying to just draw up anger in the depths of my soul. And I'm, I'm working myself up. I'm taking fat burners, pre-workout, everything I can. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to get my, I'm doing push-ups so I look swole, you know, just driving home, you know, just getting home because I'm going to burst through the door. I'm going to, I'm going to be so intimidating. I sit in that seat beside him. I'm so intimidating. God's going to be just shaking. And uh, I just got this whole thing. And so I come home and I burst through the door and I take about five steps and I look at this guy and I realize he is punching way above his weight class. 
like my daughter is not in his league. She is, she is an NFL player. He's barely playing football in the backyard with a Nerf ball. <laughs> and I take one look at him, and I, instead of being intimidating, I get filled with a feeling that I wasn't used to, which was sympathy. I just become sad for this young man. I should hope that his spirit gets crushed, but I, I'm not sure if it's because I got rejected as a teenager by girls, and it was just a flashback, and I was reliving the moment, but I'll never forget, I said to them, I'm like, because uh, I wasn't prepared for this moment. I'm like, ah, uh, one moment, and then I shoot upstairs, I go to the bedroom, and Anna's like, she's going to break his heart. I'm like, I know! I know! He's pursuing something that, that's not going to work for him. Don't chase that. I went down to him. I'm like, hey, guys, if you do go out, make sure. Just take it easy. No one knows. They're hard to get broken. <laughs> Sometimes you chase things that aren't good for you. Like, I love, I love lobster. I love shrimp. Anybody with me? I love crayfish, I love crab, I like all that good seafood. It does not love me. Like I can pursue that with all my heart, but it does not love me back. I know this because I went to a restaurant in Australia years ago and ate what they call a Morton Bay bug. It's like a shovel-nosed lobster. It's a delicacy in North Queensland. And I was out with some friends and I downed that and I'm eating and then I'm eating the rest of my meal. Next thing I realize my eyes are watering and my face is starting to get scratchy. I look like that person in the Hitch movie. You know, it's just like, it just wasn't, I, I love those things, but they don't love me back. And so I have to avoid those things with all my might. The Bible says here, what is it if you gain the whole world and you get it, but then you forfeit your soul? Or what will you give in return for your soul? What do you gain that when you finally gain it, that it proves to have zero gain for you? When I was young, I pursued with a passion alcohol, but it had no gain for me. I pursued drugs, no gain for me. I pursued some relationships that had no gain for me. I pursued sin, and the wages of sin is it had no gain for me. None of these pursuits loved me back. Every one of those pursuits were dangerous for me. People chase fame and fortune at the end. They only face destruction. So you can chase the acorn. You can catch the acorn, you can bite into the acorn, but if you have a nut allergy, then I strongly recommend to you that you stop chasing acorns. It's a bad thing. Jesus told his disciples, he said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me. Now, the context to this verse is pretty much the whole chapter, chapter 16. The beginning of the chapter, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they pretty much ask him this question, who are you? Like, look, who are you? What, what, are, what are you about? Show us a miracle and then we'll believe. Do a magic trick or something for us. We're, we're, we're looking for a sign. And Jesus speaks back to them and he says, listen, the only sign that you're going to get from me is the sign of Jonah. And then just camps there and leaves it for them 
to think about. Because I think even Jesus is smart enough to know, Jesus is smart enough to know that, that messing with religious people is not going to help you. Messing with their, their mind is so stuck into a framework, it's going to be really, really hard to break them out of that, that mindset. And so he said, I'm not going to give you a sign. The only thing that I'll give you is the sign of Jonah. Left it at that, then travels with his disciples. And he says to the disciples, he says, listen, I want you to be careful. I, I want you to avoid the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, they thought he was talking about bread because he'd just done a miracle. And again, disciples are not getting anything Jesus is talking about. Not talking about bread, not talking about baking, not talking about cakes. What I'm, what I'm talking about is beware of religious teaching. Beware of religious teaching because it's not going to lead you into a positive place. So then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, okay, the Pharisees asked me who I am. Um, who do you say that I am? And they all had an opinion. They all gave their opinion because they'd been discussing it. Then Jesus turns to Peter and he says to Peter, well, oh, sorry, he turns to the disciples and says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you're the Christ. You are the son of God. And this is why we're following you. Now in Peter's mind, when he makes that statement, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God, it is a revelation based on conversation and expectation that he has as Jesus is the Messiah. The disciples were, in their mind, not seeing a cross, they were seeing a crown. They were seeing a throne. They saw Jesus was going to come, overthrow the government of the day, that he would rule and reign. They would sit at the right and left hand of the throne. They would have authority in the nation and around the world. They thought this was going to be a conquest, and Jesus is quick to tell them, that's not where I'm heading. I, I, I'm not heading where you think I'm heading. And then he breaks it to them that the sign of Jonah... The, that he was talking to the religious people about is about Jesus being dead for three days and being risen from the dead. He says, I'm going to go. They're going to persecute me. They're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. They are going to take my life. And Peter was quick to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. That's never going to happen. And then Jesus dropped the very, very famous line, get behind me, Satan. You don't know the plans. You don't know the purposes. I'm, again, I'm not really sure whether Jesus was rebuking Peter. Certainly looked that way. But, but if you take the Garden of Gethsemane into account, where Jesus was saying, if there's a plan B, if anybody can take this cup, let them do it. Maybe just in Jesus' mind, at certain points of his ministry was, I don't know if I want to do the cross, not sure I can do the cross, doesn't look like the cross is a good thing. And so he's talking about the cross. He's talking about being dead. He's talking about the sign of Jonah. And then as he's doing this, Peter's like, I'm not going to let that happen. I wonder if there was just something that triggered in Jesus' mind, like, thanks, Peter. I, 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 I need you to end this. I don't want to do it either. And he's like, then he catches himself knowing that's not where the Father's taking him. And whether he rebukes the spirit behind what's being said rather than the person who's saying what's being said. Like, you're not going to take me off the track. I, I'm not heading to a political revolution. I am heading towards the cross. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Now, following is an important thing. Anna and I were going out with some friends for dinner in Chicago, and they said, hey, we're going to jump in our car, just follow us to our house, and we'll have dinner. They went and got in their car, we pulled out in our car, saw their car, and followed them to the house for dinner. And as we were going along, it just seemed that they were not going sort of where I thought they would be going. I think they were heading west. We were supposed to go east. Anyway, we followed them anyway right to their house. And when we, when we got to their house, uh, we found out that it wasn't their house. And it wasn't their car. And we didn't know these people, never met them before in our own life. And so when, when, when you're following something, you want to make sure that you know what you're following, why you're following, who you're following, what the result of the following is going to be. Jesus made it very clear. He said, the foundation of your pursuit is vital. And this passage of Scripture here, this first verse, outlines at least four things. The bigness of the chase, the response of the chase, the direction of the chase, and then the cost of the chase. Let's just talk a little bit about the bigness. Jesus said, if anyone, well, I, I, I love that. I love the bigness of that one word. If Anyone, everyone say anyone. It's the, that, that's the character and the, the nature and the majesty of God to be unlimiting in his approach and throwing his arms open. And he says, if anyone, is there anyone glad that you're an anyone? Is there anybody happy today? That, that means that God paints humanity with a broad brush. That God doesn't disqualify anyone. He just says, if anyone, for God so loved the... He's not talking about the planet or this big rock that we live on. He's talking about the people. For God so loved the world, if anyone. This is the scope of God. God does not attach that bigness to our social status, our social demographics, or our social media influence. God does not attach that bigness to being problem-free or having a life full of problems or being the source of somebody else's problems. It is anyone. He doesn't limit it to our hair color, skin color, or the color of our money doesn't limit it to our youth or our maturity, our height or our weight. He doesn't limit it to whether we are married or unmarried, remarried or never married. We'd love to get married but not interested in ever being married. Too young to be married or too old to care about getting married. Widowed or widower. Jesus told me we would marry or nope, Jesus never said that. It doesn't matter where you're at. In every scope, anyone, God loves us. The bigness of God's love is clear throughout Scripture. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. We love Him because why? He first loved us. God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead 
And I, I, I love that verse because again, it illuminates the scope and the bigness of God. That's why I got to encourage you, go to the Bible and not religious people. Watch what you're watching online. Watch who you follow on YouTube. There are a whole heap of religious people out there spouting things about God that don't exist. Even while we were yet sinners away from God, God not only loved us, but it says here, the great love with which he loved us. <clears throat> John chapter 15 says, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Romans chapter 2 is pretty clear that the, the goal of God's love is not just to let you know he loves you, but the goal of God's love towards you is that you would respond to him. The, the bigness of the chase is that Jesus pursued us before you and I even moved a muscle. And he pursued us with one goal. He pursued us so we would pursue him. We chased him because he first chased us. And once you get the, the scope, the bigness of God, then it's easy to understand why we chase him with such a passion. If you're here today and maybe never been to church before, watching online, you're just flicking through YouTube and found us by accident or whatever. Maybe you've never considered Christianity or considered God or church or anything. And we're like, how can they be so passionate about the things of God? Well, once you understand His goodness, then it does cause a response back towards Him. The response of the chase, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would, if anyone would, if anyone would, three words, if anyone would. The first is a question, if, are you going to chase him? You have an opportunity, but will you respond to the opportunity? If anyone, anyone's the scope so God gives everybody an opportunity to respond. And then would is the response. If anyone would. They, you, you have the choice. God is not going to force you against your will. You have a choice whether you accept him or reject him. But God has given you the opportunity because he hasn't limited it to a certain class of people. He says, if anyone. And all he requires you to do is do the would bit where you respond to him. If anyone would. The goodness of God should lead us to what? Repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And the word repentance is not about being sad or being depressed or incredibly remorseful. Those emotions are obviously going to be there. But the word repentance doesn't mean that. The word repentance means change direction. So I've been chasing my own thing. I've been doing it my own way. I've been resisting the love of God. But then I have an if anyone would moment and I respond to the love of God and I repent. I turn my back on my pursuits and I start to pursue after God with my whole heart. It's the goodness of God that turns us around and has us pursuing after his presence. In Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus calling 
the disciples and at the call, the Bible says that they what? They left their nets and they pursued after him. They, they repented. They were fishermen. That's what they did with their trade. They'd been out all day looking for fish, hadn't really caught anything. Jesus comes up, preaches off their boat, and then says, follow me. And so they repent. They don't break down and cry. They, they, they change direction. We've been chasing our own acorn, but now we're going to come and we're going to chase after you. We've been doing it our own way. We are going to metanoia. I, I, I wonder what nets Jesus has asked you to leave behind and you're still pursuing. Habits, lifestyle, attitude, uh, shame, mistakes that you've made. Maybe today God is speaking to you and saying, hey, it's time for you to leave those nets. That's not you anymore. You're not a fisherman. You don't need that net. That's not you anymore. You are, you're not an alcoholic. You don't need that drink. That's not you anymore. You're not, a, you're not a cigarette smoker. I say those two things because I struggle with alcohol and cigarettes. You're not a drug addict. I didn't struggle with being a drug addict. But the, you know your struggle he says, that's not you. You're born again. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Don't, don't go back to what used to have a hold of you. Don't chase those things. Today's the day to step away from your nets and chase after him. If anyone would. Like if you're here today and you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm, where am I at with God? How, how far, if you're watching online, how far, how far am I away from God? Well, I always say to people, you're about an arm length from God. God says, all have sinned, anyone. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, no, not, not one. And sin separates us from God. So God holds us out. You're a sinner. And so I can't let sin enter my kingdom. I can love you, but I don't love the sin. I have a plan for you. I don't, I have a plan for you to stop being, God, God holds us out. All of sin, no one's righteous, no not one, God holds us out arm's length. But 2,000 years ago, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the son of God had a purpose. I'm going to go, they're going to kill me, they're going to crucify me, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. Jesus went to the cross with his arms extended and said, if anyone would come, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would just simply believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. And so 2,000 years ago, God opened up his arms and said, anybody that wants to come, if anybody would, my arms are open, come as you are. I love you as you are. I'll change you as you are, but my arms are wide open. Is there any Body in the house of God today that's at least a little bit grateful for the cross. <laughs> like that one moment should be in the church. I, woo! Because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the arms of God. Wide open. So like, okay, well, what separates me from God? About an arm's length. Wait, what? You just said a moment ago that 2,000 years ago, Jesus put his arms open on a cross. And said, if anybody would come, I, I, I want to be, ha, ha, why, why am I still an arm length away? Well, that's your arm. That's your arm holding him out. I, I don't want to at the moment. 
But if anybody would, as soon as you drop your arm, as soon as you stop holding him out, as soon as you stop pushing back, if anyone would, if you respond to his love, his love will come rushing towards you. If anyone would. That's the proper response to his love, is to stop pushing him away and start reaching out to him. And so when we respond to his love, that means that everything we do now is out of response for that love. So I don't prove to God I love him by keeping his commandments, or I don't earn the love of God by keeping his commandments because he already loved me before I did anything. But because I love him, I want to keep his commandments. I don't don't go to church and worship because I have to, because I'm made to. Because if if I go to church every week, then God would love me a lot more than the people that just go once a month. No, I, I, I go to church and I went, why? Because I want to. I want to be with God's family. I, I know Jesus came to build the church. I want to build the church because I know he's died for the church. I, I, I want to be doing what God wants me to be doing. <clears throat> not because I have to. Not because I'll earn his love. I don't resist sin and not sin because if I don't sin, then somehow he'll accept me. No, he already accepted me as a sinner. Now, I don't want to pursue sin because of his love. I, I, I don't want to upset him, and that is going to destroy me. I've, I know what that's going to do to my life, and I don't want to destroy. I don't want to chase the wrong acorn. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me. That's the direction of the chase. That that literally means that you would follow in my footsteps. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow, if I turn around and I look, am I going to see the disciples? If anyone would come, if anyone would come after, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me. To me, that's a funny statement. Um, Jen, how long have you been? How long have you been going to, hus- to to church with Don? How many how many years have you guys been going to church together? You think driving to church with him for forever? <laughs> Put a number: forty years, fifty years. You're a pastor. 60, 60 years. You've been coming to church in the vehicle. She's been driving every Sunday in a car. Sixty years. Some of you not even that old. 60 years, that's a long time. 60, 60 years. Every Sunday, opening the door, gets in the car, they, 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 they drive to church for 60 years. How weird would it be if you were halfway to church today, Jan, and, he, and, and, and Don turned around and said, uh, are you going to drive to church with me today? Like, yeah, I'm in the car, and we've been driving to church for 60 years. It's clearly obvious I am already following you. That's why it just seems like a funny question to me that Jesus would say this to the disciples because they've left the nets, everything behind, they're following him. They've been following him for a little while now. It's not six months into the journey. They've been following after him. But what Jesus is saying is if anyone would follow, then they need to realize that, that 
the leadership, there is a pace. There, there, there is a response to the follow. Jesus said, you're going to have to follow me at my pace. If you're going to travel with me, if you're going to get behind me and come with me, then, then there's a pace. Now, I understand this because I'm a fast walker. I, I take my family out for walks. This is a photo of me and my girls going out on a walk. That's my girls back there um, somewhere. That's me taking the photo. That's me, I'm taking that photo of me on a hike with my daughters. Now, the next shot is me. I'm waiting for my next, next photo. There they are. They're coming. I had to go back and look for them. But there they are in the background there. Thankfully, not attacked by a bear. But that's sort of my, that's my, that's my pace. I, I, I walk far. I was out with some friends in Seattle. Put that photo of me out with friends. So here's me. This is me at the front. And I caught myself. That's why I took the photo. Because I got to this traffic lights and stopped and realized I am on my own. And, and so I, I took a selfie because I'm heading to my friend's house for dinner. So I'm going to my friend's house for dinner. We've been out. We're going back to his house for dinner and coffee. Pastor Kevin Gerald. We're going. Now see those two guys there behind me. That's not the pastor. These are guys that have also walked ahead of everybody else. The other people on the right-hand side are people going the opposite way. See right in the background, right back there somewhere, that's Pastor Kevin, who's going for a walk, taking us to his place. And I got to that point, the reason I took the photo is I realized I don't know where he lives. But I'm out here doing my own thing. Jesus had that sort of a mentality. Come on, let's go. Follow me at my pace. I've got a pace. I've got a pursuit. I need you to get on board. And, and, and sometimes that wasn't easy. Jesus talked to one young man. He's like, I want to follow you. I want to get on track. Let's go. And, and Jesus is like, okay, come on, let's go now. And he's like, the guy's like, now? Like, yeah, now. A short span here. Um, my, my dad just passed away. And Jesus pretty much, this is my interpretation, paraphrased, turns to the, the young man and go, and your point is what? Well, my dad passed away. And Jesus is like, will he be dead on Monday? Like, is it going to change the state? I, I have a pursuit, and you're going to have to rearrange your schedule. That there's a cost at the pace. Follow me at my intensity. There's a rich young ruler that wanted to follow Jesus. He couldn't follow Jesus. Why? Because he was rich, had wealthy. He was young, had youth on his side. And he was a ruler. He had authority. Peter was a rich young ruler. He was wealthy. He was a fisherman. He was young. And he had his own business. Two rich young rulers. One could follow, one couldn't follow. But one was willing to leave his riches and leave his youth and leave his authority aside and, and, and the nets and chase after Jesus. There's an intensity that comes with the pursuit. Follow me at my rhythm. Follow me in my direction. This is the clincher in the passage. Jesus in this passage is talking about going to a place that the disciples had not anticipated in their journey. And then he outlines the cost of the chase. If anyone would come after me, let him 
deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you want the rewards that come from following me, then you're going to have to pay the price. I'll talk a little bit about that next week. But Jesus tells them three things. Deny yourself. If you want to follow me, you have to leave yourself behind. You have to leave the nets. And you have to follow me. You have to put you in second place and Jesus in first place. I must decrease so he can live your life as a living, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. You place yourself on the firing line. Our, our, our culture is not a culture of self-denial. We are, we are not being educated or having our thinking be in the process where we are thinking about others before ourselves. We have been through the system of if it feels good to you, then just do it. Now it's progressed. If it feels right to you, then be it. But it's all self-centered. In fact, we become so self-centered that it says, if what you say doesn't make me feel good, then I'm going to cancel it. If it feels good, do it. If it feels right, be it. But if it doesn't feel good, then just cancel it. Wipe it out. Don't want to handle this. Don't like it. Reject what you're saying. You hate me. There's a pushback. Why? Because we can't die to ourselves. Jesus said, if you want to follow after me, there's going to be a cost. And the very, very first price that you have to pay is you have to deny yourself. You have to deny. You have to leave yourself behind. What Jesus is calling us to do is countercultural. It's different than how society has trained us and made us believe. I have a lot more to say about that next week, and it'll help you. But deny yourself, take up your cross, a life of surrender and obedience. And then it says, and follow after me. Follow, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would follow me, then, then they need to deny themselves. They need to take up the cross. And then you need to, if you would follow me, then you need to do these things to follow me. So I've cast the net if anyone would. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life as your Lord and personal, if you've never followed him, or if you're following him at one point and you just turned your back on God and doing it your own way now, and you're like, man, I, I need to get back in the pursuit. Well, the good thing is you're only a metanoia, only a repentance, only a turnaround, one prayer away from beginning the journey. The beautiful thing about Christianity is like, like a one and done. It's a journey. It's a life journey. How many of you here today, you've been saved a while, and you would honestly say, Jesus is still teaching you things about you you didn't know and that you need to change? Is there anybody? Am I the only one? There's a handful. Everyone's hands going up in here. Because that's the love of God. He said, chase after me. Don't chase after those other things. But you're going to deny yourself. You'll say yes to him and no to you. And we spend a lot of our time saying yes to us and no to him. What is he asking you to do? Just as your pastor, just as a 
suggestion. I've said it before. I, I don't mean to be mean, but it, it's a little hard to say we can do the denying ourselves thing when we can never be at church on time. I, I don't know how. Like, I think probably the easiest thing I do as a Christian, the easiest thing I've ever done, before I was in ministry, I'm not on church on time because I'm the pastor. I'm probably the pastor because I spent a lot of my life being on church on time. But I, I don't know how we can deny ourselves when we can't even deny ourselves getting up early. On the one morning that we give God one and a half hours. Gives you 24 hours a day to live. And then on one morning, there's an hour and a half service, two hours if you're volunteering, where you get up and you turn up to the 10.30 service. There's a clue. We, we know it's hard for people to, what time does the service start? And so we put it in the title. That's why we call it the 10.30 service. Because <laughs> that's the time it starts. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking on you because you are late today. Any of that feeling is self-generated or maybe the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not knocking on it, but I'm just saying how hard it must be for these young men and women who came in early, denied themselves, came in early and they kicked that first song off at 1030 and there's probably 10% if we're lucky in the building, 10%. 10%. And I wonder how hard it is for God who died on a cross and gave everything and he looks down at 1030 because they're going to praise me. Yoo-hoo! <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because I think that's base level commitment. I really just think it's base level. We how, how, how can we go to a cross when we won't even get up early in the morning to think about a cross? So again, you, you, you can ignore it. It's not going to change me. I'm going to still come early. You can blame it on your culture. You can tell me it's African culture. You can tell me that. You've got to understand I've traveled the world and every nation of people that's late always blames the culture. No one ever says, I'm a late person. They blame it on the nation. You go to Hawaii, it's Hawaiian time. You go to New Zealand, it's Maori time. You go to Australia, oh, it's Aussie time, mate. You go to Africa, it's African time. You go to Germany, oh, it's, it's European time. You go to England, oh, mate, we can't get here early. You know, wherever you go, they've always got a, everyone's got a reason for it. I would just encourage you, don't blame everybody else. Set an alarm. Because here he's saying, like, hey, hey, just one second before you clap. Just, just consider this. Because I know some of you are like, I can't believe he just said that. I can't believe what, why is he so mean? He's a mean man. I didn't come to church for a mean man. I'm going to go to a nice dude, a mean, a bad person. Here, let's just weigh these two statements up. For all you Jesus lovers, John Morgan said, hey, any chance you guys could turn up on time? 
Jesus said, if you love me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. One of those statements sounds tough. Just chucking that out there. One of those statements is nice. It doesn't involve a cross. What am I saying is when we love him with the love that we say we love him, we don't do these things as I suggested it or somebody's making you. We do it because we want to. I I love you, Jesus, and so I'm going to deny myself. That is not easy. There's a whole heap of things I want to do. I I don't want to fast. Sometimes I don't want to pray. Sometimes I want to go to sleep, but I've got to deny myself. I've got to say, John, you need to be decreasing, and Jesus needs to be increasing. We need to elevate Jesus in our life and decrease ourselves. And the reason that it is such a battle for you is not that you're bad, but it is the way you've been educated. Me, my, I think, my thing, I want it my way. It's just how we are. It's just how we are. And Jesus said, yeah, you followed you, but you've been chasing the wrong acorn. It's time to deny yourself take up the cross, and they knew what that meant, and follow after me. We're going to pray for you in just a second. Growing up, uh, I was incredibly jealous of my, one of my cousins, and he's about my age, and I think we were both, I don't think we were teenagers, we might have been like 12, and uh, I was always jealous of my cousin. Because my cousin was cool, and his parents got him cool things. He had so much stuff. He had a trampoline. I never had a trampoline. I didn't even have a piece of tarp lying on concrete that I could jump on nothing. He had a trampoline. He had all the coolest games, all the matchbox cars, slot machine, everything. Stop the slot machine as in gambling, like a racing car. And I was always, and, and, and I remember their house, they had this refrigerator that on the front door had an ice making machine. Now I'm from North Queensland. They're not scheduled to get refrigerators up there into 2040. We're behind the times. And so, so he's got a refrigerator that makes ice. I don't think I've ever eaten as much ice in three days as it's just like I put it on the wall and ice falls into the cup. Oh, there is a God. I was so jealous of him all my years growing up because he just seemed to have everything. Such a fun life. They had a pool. I had a bathtub (laughs) that my parents would leave the water in so I could bathe in it. Not even fresh water, like old water. We're like, what are we going to do? Reuse the water? Yeah, chuck the sun in there. He had a pool. I remember growing up so jealous of him, all the stuff that he had. And then we grew up and we're in our 20s. And I was uh, having dinner or coffee or something with him. And and, uh, he said, he said, uh, you know, growing up, I was always so jealous of you. (laughs) What, your mother never left the water in the bath? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I just, it just seemed like such a weird statement from somebody I'd been so jealous. Growing up, I was always so jealous of you. And I'm like, well, why? 
And he said, there's something about the love in your family that we don't have in our house. There's something about your parents and the love. And he went on, he extrapolated. I can't remember the whole conversation. He said, I was, I always wanted that for my family. But they had the stuff, but in his mind, they never had the stuff that really matters. And I had the stuff that really matters. And I was too stupid to realize that I was chasing the stuff that doesn't matter. So what is it? If you gain the whole world and then you discover you have a nut allergy. If we're chasing the wrong things. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, wash over us. Holy Spirit, wash over us. Saturate us in your love. Saturate us in your peace. Saturate us with your grace. Saturate us with your mercy. We come back to you today and we say we love you because you first loved us. We are the anyone's who made a decision, we will follow you. And I pray, God, that you administer to people today. I pray for those that are here and they thought they had left the nets, but every now and then, just out of habit, they go back and check the nets and they do things that they regret doing and they don't want to do that anymore and the things that they don't want to do, they do and the things that they do want to do, they don't do and they are trying to struggle with this body of death and They keep going back looking at the old nets. And God, I pray today that you would speak to them about leaving the nets and following after you. Taking those things and denying themselves and putting those things on a cross and letting those things die on the cross with you and follow after you. I pray that you'd sweep over this church in your grace. I pray no one today would would leave with any other feeling but that God loves me amazingly and God that their response would be I want to love you back like that I just want to love you back like that that's my heart that's my passion that's my my desire with every eye closed and just thinking about you and blocking everybody else out I I don't know everybody here and I don't know everybody's story and we like to ask this question every week and we'll ask it whether there's anybody who needs it or not but that is Do you need a fresh start in your life and relationship with God? Jesus is calling us on a journey. And the first step in the journey is acknowledging we need him. The first step in the journey is to say, you know what? I've been wrong doing it my own way or my own life. God, I need to start pursuing you. I need to start chasing after you. In November, we're going to start a class for new Christians, people that are making this decision and it'll be the next step in the journey is like hey giving you information and helping you on the way giving you direction giving you guideposts helping you out but the first step in any journey is the important step and today for you that's a prayer and the prayer is simply this God I need a brand new start I need a fresh encounter I want you to make yourself real to me please forgive me and love me Receive me like I am. I'm taking that first step towards you. That's pretty much how the prayer is going to be. 
We're going to ask you to pray it, but everybody in the building to pray it together so we don't single you out. But with eyes closed, no one looking around. If that's you and you say, John, you're talking to me right now. You are talking to me. I need a fresh start. Either you never prayed or you've prayed that prayer once and you want to come home. Maybe you're watching online like that. If that's you, on a count to three, and I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Just lift your hand real high and say, that's me. I need to, I need to make that decision. If you'll raise it, God bless you. I can see your hand. Anybody else like that, just lift it real high. Say, I want a fresh start in my life and relationship with God. Online, the people you can just let people know. You can push one of those emojis there or something. Let people know a response. Anybody else, you say, that's me. I'm, I'm not right with God, but today is my day to get my life right with Him. I, I want to make that decision. Who is like that? Who is like that today? Anybody else like that? We're going to pray this prayer. Lift that real high so I can see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I can see your hand there. Anybody else? God bless you over here. That's awesome. Anybody? Last time I'm asking, looking up in the balcony. Let's all pray. If you raised your hand, wish you would have online, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I'm asking you for a brand new start in my life and relationship with you. Please forgive me for all my sin and today give me a brand new start. I'm taking the first step in the right direction, walking towards you. So I'm asking you for your help, your guidance, your strength, your love. I'm responding to you today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. 